What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, here to discuss the very first Monday Night Raw of the new year. I hope you all had a fun, safe time celebrating out there. This week's episode of Out of Character is another best of. I'll get into my thoughts on the new year there, so I won't bog down the raw roundup with my thoughts but make sure you guys check out this week's best of out of character part four we got clips from the amos interview byron saxton alexa bliss and gunther so if you didn't listen to any of those now's your chance to listen to the best part and plus if you did listen to those i got a little few anecdotes that i'll tell you about each interview or some some of my thoughts on why they're more relevant now than ever they're all there so make sure that you guys check out this week's best of out of character part four and then next week we'll be back with a brand new episode i promise speaking of brand new episodes we had monday night raw this week which began with the bloodlines Sami Zayn, solo sokoa and the usos causing causing havoc ringside uh the the it's just right off the bat was in your face. They are there, similar to their backstage uh, attack a few weeks ago. Jimmy gets on commentary saying the bloodline is taking over Raw as a message from the tribal chief. This prompts an entrance from Kevin Owens. And Sammy cuts him off saying that tonight people are going to get hurt because of Kevin. KO then started walking to the ring for a fight, but Adam Pierce and security cut him off. Pierce said the bloodline is not the authority on Raw. He is, and tells security to get the bloodline out of his building. Solo takes them all out, though, so Kevin attempts to do it himself, but then the locker room breaks out with more superstars to help take them out. Finally, the bloodline retreats, and Pierce explains that later tonight, they'll all be in matches. Good way to start off the show. I'll get into more of my thoughts on this, but I always appreciate when things have a sense of urgency, and this made it feel like there was a sense of urgency right off the bat. I also sometimes say that it doesn't feel, when you're watching WWE, that there really is any brand loyalty, but this kind of did feel like there was brand loyalty. Well, it wasn't necessarily brand loyalty. I think they just pissed off everyone backstage uh, because of their antics a few weeks ago, so... That also factors in as well. But still, uh, there's continuity there. All those guys were still pissed off from when they got the crap kicked out of them unexpectedly. And so now they're back, and they're going to kick some crap out of the bloodline in return. So it it made sense for this to happen once they returned. I'll get into more of my thoughts uh, on all of this as we continue because there's more to be said, but I want to finish talking about everything that happens first so I don't get ahead of myself. So next, Byron Saxton interviews Bianca Belair to promote her title match against Alexa Bliss coming up. Bianca says that her relationship with with, uh, Alexa Bliss is beyond compare, and Alexa can't blame Bray Wyatt for her problems anymore. Similar, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, back after the commercial break, Pierce calms down all the superstars looking to wrestle the bloodline tonight. And Elias demands a fight with Solo, not a match. So Pierce books them in a Music City street fight. 
He also books Sammy and the Usos against the Street Profits and Kevin Owens. I hate that I'm reserving so many thoughts right off the bat, but these are all developing stories. The show started off with all these developing things. and I don't want to get ahead of myself because even though this is a roundup, uh, I still feel like I should present the information before I get to it. Sometimes I realize I'm I'm talking about things that are going to happen later in the show, and I haven't even gotten there yet. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm, I, I'm doing that. So let's just get to finally one of these matches. Now something I can have some opinions on. Alexa Bliss versus Bianca Belair. Raw Women's Championship. Now first, I loved the beginning. Uh, they did a fun spot where Bianca held Alexa back by her head with just one hand, and then Bianca Belair hit a big uppercut. And for those of you who didn't see it, uh, someone tweeted earlier in the day a funny clip, I I think it's from Scary Movie, uh, where um, (laughs) that actress from that movie, I forget her name off the top of my head, but she's holding back uh, like a zombie girl, which is very similar to Alexa Bliss's character. Uh, She's like holding back, uh, Regina Hall, that's her name. Uh, Regina Hall is holding back like a little zombie girl and holding her back by one head and the zombie girl's you know, doing that at her. And then Regina Hall winds up for an uppercut. And someone tweeted that saying earlier in the day saying Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair tonight. And that's exactly how they started off the match. With like if you compare the two side by side, uh, it's like the exact same thing, and it's so funny. I I love that they did that. Uh, I don't. I, I, they had to have seen the tweet and been like, "Let's just do that one for social media." But great, it was a real funny way to start off the match. Uh, Alexa later had Bianca down at ringside though, and they were having a good match. You know, they were they were they were doing their thing, uh, but we didn't really get a full match here because Alexa had Bianca down at ringside. And behind her, you could see someone in an Uncle Howdy mask who was sitting ringside that caught her attention. Uh, She then tried to shake it off and took Bianca back in the ring and got on the top rope uh, when she spotted another person in an Uncle Howdy mask who appeared in the crowd as well. The screen then flashed with the Wyatt logo and Alexa started tripping out. Uh, she attacked the referee after that. She attacked Bianca. Goes into a full rage. Uh, she just DDTs Bianca on the steel steps. Uh, and Bianca has some fake blood coming out of her mouth. Uh, Alexa looks like she's leaving. But then she comes back. She hits another DDT on the steel steps before walking to the back. Uh, while, while just tripping out over all this Bray Wyatt stuff. What did I think of this? I... Sue me, but I like this. I liked this. I really am, you know, I, I here's a small, uh, <laughs> Alexa Bliss is in the best of. And, you know, when, that's, that's, on, that's coming out on Wednesday. And when I interviewed her, hearing her perspective on the character and what she was trying to do and what she was trying to make happen and, and how things got changed and whatever, it gave me a lot more faith in this happening a second time about with new creative eyes on it. I think with these new creative eyes on it and knowing what Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss put into it before, um, I'm liking this so far and I also think that we're it's going to have 
a better payoff this time. That was always my problem with some of the other Bray Wyatt stuff of the past is that as much as I was enjoying it, the payoff was never quite what I wanted it to be in the... You know, with the Alexa Bliss stuff, it really didn't feel like it was going anywhere at times or was going to have any end in sight to it. And it didn't feel like there was enough story continuing between the two of them. They just kind of became a pair and that was that. I don't know. I just felt like there could have been more there, but it was limited. And since Triple H has taken over, you know, the stories haven't been as limited and I feel like the wrestlers are getting a little more involvement in what they want to make happen with their characters. And so knowing how into the Dark Alexa stuff she was and knowing that she may have more input this time and same with Bray Wyatt, um, I like this. I think that she did need something. You know, as much as I was liking her return to the old Alexa Bliss, um, you know, she was in need of something, and this made her look like actually someone who you could be scared of. This looked like someone who you could, you know, <laughs> who who you wouldn't want to mess with. Like, she bloodied up one of the toughest superstars on the roster, didn't care about winning the women's title. Um, it, it made her look tough. It made her look scary. And I feel like this is something that, you know, Bray Wyatt's been back for months and we're still just, you know, barely, you know, barely, barely scratching the surface of what this story can be. But it has had, you know, things progressing along the way. And I guess Royal Rumble, you know, they're going to be now theoretically in the same building um, I'm interested to see what happens. I I, uh, I I like it. I don't know if I'm alone in this camp. You could tweet me at Ryan Satin. Tell me if you don't agree. But I do. I did like this so far. I'm liking what they're doing with her. I think that this is on the right track to being entertaining. It's not so far. Um, it's not necessarily as like goofy and childlike as the other one was before. Uh, it seems to be more about fighting mental battles, and I, I'm I'm into that. I like stretching the limits of story in pro wrestling, and that's kind of what all this Bray Wyatt stuff has been so far. Stretching the limits of what you can do with pro wrestling, he hasn't even had a match yet. So I know that's finally happening coming up, but I think that you can, you know it's episodic television and stretching out a story over time isn't necessarily bad and now that they're bringing Alexa Bliss back into it to wrap up what happened with the Fiend at Wrestlemania I like this all right moving on Austin Theory is interviewed saying that his confidence is at an all-time high Theory says that he holds the cards in his hand and he's out playing Seth Rollins at every turn not too bad for a kid huh Seth not a bad promo at all but definitely um, you know, fairly standard, just to, just to kind of like promote the title match later in the main event. Doesn't hurt anything. Elias is up next, playing guitar in the ring. He does his walk with Elias Stick and starts to break into song, but immediately gets interrupted by Solo Sokoa for their match. So we get Elias versus Solo Sokoa. Sokoa, excuse me. Solo Sokoa in a Music City street fight. 
This match, of course, had music instruments surrounding the ring. And Elias used the cowbell on Solo early on. He also tossed Solo through a drum set before smacking him in the face with a drum cymbal. When we came back from the break, these two were on the stage, and Solo used an amp, a microphone, and the second drum set. Elias then fired back with a tambourine and a keyboard. (laughs) Uh, The guy who sings the Royal Rumble theme song then got involved in the match for some reason uh, and tried to hit Solo with a guitar, but Solo no-sold it completely. Elias then hit a running knee and attempted to jump on Solo off the top rope, but Solo hit him with the Samoan spike and then a Uranagi onto the piano from the apron for the pinfall victory. I typically don't really enjoy matches like this, but this was actually entertaining. Uh, Their use of weapons actually appeared to be painful. Like, think about it. (laughs) I just think about... If I were watching two guys get into a fight and one of them used a tambourine on the other and bloodied him up on the side of the head because of it, how funny that would be to me. Like, like you can't see that anywhere else. Where else are you going to see something like that? I mean, I guess at a bar when you're watching like some cover band. I don't know. A bar fight? I don't know. Uh, but it's not often you see a sport, a show where you watch a man beat a man with a tambourine and think to yourself, you know what? That that would actually hurt. I wouldn't want that to happen. Like when Solo had a cut on the side of his face from those little tambourine symbols, I thought to myself, you know, I played the drums my whole life. And I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't think that like a drum symbol would cut you. But I guess those little tiny guys, you know, if you get hit hard enough on the side of the head with it, it would uh, I also, you know, it's not often in life you see someone take a keyboard and just smash it over someone's back repeatedly until it breaks. Um, these things were entertaining to me ultimately. Yeah, I know there wasn't a bunch of like, you know, wrestling psychology here or, uh, you know, a ton of moves. It was much more of a fight. Like Elias' character had requested earlier in the show. And I, I, I did. I enjoyed this one. I, I Like I said, normally, like, you know, it's like a Miracle on 24th Street match or a, one of those pumpkin matches, you know, the Trick or Treat, or the, or the Trick or Street fight for Halloween or whatever. I'm usually like, eh, whatever. I don't know. Pumpkin over the head. That's fine. Whatever. You know, uh, you know. Christmas tree, okay, it's fun, I guess, throwing a Christmas tree at someone. Uh, but, man, these things looked actually painful. Like, the thought of being hit with, like, a uranagi onto a table? Excuse me, excuse me, table would hurt. Onto a piano top? That would suck, dude. And, like, the legs broke when he when when he landed? Looked rough. <laughs> looked rough. I wouldn't want that to happen to me. Uh, and you know, the only part that I didn't necessarily care about was this guy Hardy getting involved, but like I looked, he's got half, he's got almost a million followers on Instagram. Uh, let's, you know, we'll look this up together. Cause I, I wanted to look this up. How many Spotify? He's got 5 million monthly listens on Spotify. So yeah, I might not have heard of him. I don't know if you listening have heard of him. 
but he's got a following. Might as well take advantage of it. I think that's always smart to take advantage of people with various followings because it might bring a new fan in. It might make someone even more fan. I don't know. Uh, you know, if someone's never watched wrestling before and they like this Hardy guy, maybe they'll watch it. Maybe they'll then now watch the Royal Rumble knowing he's going to be there. I, you know, you never know. Um, and look, at, ultimately, at the end of the day, it wasn't harmful at all because that Hardy guy, you know, when he used the guitar, Solo totally no-sold it. He did the Samoan no-sell, and it worked perfectly. And also made the wrestlers look tough. Made you think, oh, you can't just smash a guitar over someone and it gets them. Even though, you know, if you smash it all the way, it probably would. Uh, but it's about the power that these wrestlers do it with. It made it almost feel like the guitar shot uh, is more painful based on, you know, because of the fact that wrestlers are the ones swinging it. Not some guy who who is a wannabe hardy boy. Well, he's not. He, he's That's probably his real name, but... Uh, he's probably thought he's probably acted like he was a quote unquote Hardy boy his whole life and solo no sold it I love it all right let's get to a quick commercial break and then we'll be back with my thoughts on the rest of the show after that we had Sami Zayn and the Usos versus Kevin Owens and the Street Profits now Montez appeared to have his mind elsewhere thinking about Bianca Belair and what was done to her earlier in the night but gets tagged in anyway. Shakes himself out of it, unleashes on the bloodline with a fury of uh, fury, with a flurry of offense. Ooh, McFlurry sounds good right now. Sorry, moving on. Uh, Solo Sokoa interfered in the match after that, allowing the bloodline to regain the advantage, and Sammy hit the Haluva kick on him for the win. The bloodline continued the attack after that, when suddenly Sheamus and Drew McIntyre appeared to make the save. Sheamus and Drew then cleared the ring and stood tall afterward. Okay, now I can get to my thoughts on all of this. So, look it. I realized the hostile takeover of Raw was because the bloodline was angry about losing to Cena and Owens, but I felt like them coming to Raw was so similar to their backstage takeover the other week. I also felt like that time could have let that you know, in that time, we could have let the the main event from last week uh, on SmackDown simmer for a little bit and have given that time to a few Raw superstars on the back burner. Like, we didn't see Johnny Gargano tonight. There was nothing with Ali. There was nothing with Bronson. Well, there was a tiny, quick little video package with, Bron- uh, with uh, Bronson Reed. Um, you know, we still didn't get any update on Bobby Lashley. Um, wasn't there tonight. We did see the Hurt Business in the background of a shot. Uh, we saw, well, we saw Cedric Alexander, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin in the background of a shot talking to Adam Pierce. Looks like something's brewing with the Hurt Business. But there were just things that I felt like could have been addressed that, that, that instead went to a SmackDown story. Like, I think that as much as Sammy and the Bloodline are the most popular thing in WWE right now, you don't want to water that down by having them on every show every week. Uh, I think that it's a SmackDown thing right now, and I realize it's tough because they're in a feud with Kevin Owens, and I and you know I also realize it's Royal Rumble season, so we're most likely going to have some crossover. Um, but I just felt like there were so many SmackDown people here. Like this felt like a big SmackDown thing. And it was also to promote 
the upcoming tag match between Drew and Sheamus versus the Usos. Um, but I just don't think you want to have the Usos. I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong. I love watching the Usos wrestle, but I think we can give them a break. Sometimes they don't need to be on every single show. Uh, I think that Sammy as well, like it's a, it's a, it gives you a reason to watch SmackDown. So um, I didn't dislike any of the stuff involving them tonight. I just really felt like that time should have gone to a couple things that I wanted updates on with Monday Night Raw. Like, we keep seeing Nikki Cross following Candace and Johnny on social media. What's going on with that? There's all these things that, like, I that are kind of just, like, left hanging right now uh, that I would have rather have seen that time given to. That's just me personally. But in watching it as a viewer, I did enjoy this match. Obviously, these six guys are so talented. They killed it in the match. Great athleticism, cool moves, all that. It just... I don't know. I felt like it could have been given some of that. Some of the time could have been used elsewhere. Uh, Chad Gable versus Dexter Loomis took uh, took place after this, and I hate to feel like I was down on this episode of Raw, but there were just little things that I just I don't know. Like I had some criticisms, and I had some things that didn't click for me in this episode. Like you know, Dexter showed off his unique offense in this match, and Chad Gable did his best to wrestle against it. Uh, but, uh, Dexter eventually got a sneaky pinfall victory. And I, I, I can't say I loved this match. I don't know what, I don't know what it was. It felt like a, a tough mix of styles. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but, um, I felt like both really tried here to make it entertaining. It just sometimes like just certain people don't click for some reason. And I just didn't. I just didn't get that vibe here. It just didn't uh, draw me in as a viewer personally. I also believe that, you know, as, as much as Dexter Loomis stalked The Miz, I don't know if enough has been done to make you think that this guy is scary enough to be that scared of, like Otis and others seem to be of him, uh, Chad Gable seem to be of him. I just... Like, he's been giving out toys to kids in the crowd and doing good guy stuff. So to be that scared of him, um, I don't know if that connects either. Especially when we were given so much reason to believe that he was the good guy in this Miz feud. And that he was really only stalking the Miz because there was a very personal reason related to money uh, and being owed money. Uh, by this person so I, I don't know I just the 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 being super scared of him thing just doesn't quite click for me quite yet and like I said I know it's tough because he doesn't have the ability his character doesn't speak um so I don't know how to fix that necessarily I think they need to start I don't know if I'm crazy but I I think that am I, am I crazy for thinking the character might need us to, to speak I know he's said you know I do in NXT or whatever but I kind of feel like he needs to talk a little more. Am I wrong in saying that? Because I don't think it would really hurt if they did an interview. Somehow they got him to speak in an interview where he reveals more about himself. And maybe then, maybe then I could get, I could be see the like getting scared of him if they give us a reason to and him explaining his life or his backstory or something. But 
like he always does like nice things. So I don't know. It's hard for me to take it seriously when people are scared of his character. Next, there was a video package taking a look back at Cody Rhodes' return to WWE last year, as well as his injury. And I feel like this is telegraphing that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. And I think that's something most people believe anyways. Uh, So I guess it doesn't hurt to do this. So yeah, I guess it doesn't hurt. No, no, I guess I'm not going to really... I'll try not to complain about this one. I'll try not to criticize criticize this one. I will... uh, I will keep my uh, cheery demeanor. <laughs> uh, damage control then come out to the ring, and Bailey says they need to address the Irish elephant in the room before getting interrupted by Becky Lynch. Becky tells Bailey to shut up, you dope, and that it took years for her to get out of someone else's shadow, but it only took her a year to put herself right back into one. Becky then challenges Bailey to another match tonight, but Bailey laughs it off and offers Dakota Kai and Io Sky up instead. Becky says she doesn't have time to find a tag partner, but agrees to a match against them both and walks to the ring. Becky Lynch versus Damage Control. Halfway through the match, Mi Chin or Mia Yim comes out to join Becky Lynch as her partner. And just as a brief aside here, they gotta make up their mind on what her name is. Because... They're not using Mi Chin as a nickname. They're, uh, it says Mi Chin on Titantron. They're calling her Mi Chin. Is it Mi Chin or is it Mia Yim? I would like a decision to be made. Because it seems like Mi Chin is the direction they, are, they, they want us to start going in. But then they keep saying Mia Yim. And it's like, well, Mia Yim is what I'm used to calling her. So if you're going to call her Mia Yim, I'm going to call her Mia Yim. If you're calling her Mi Chin, I will abide by that. I will start to call her Mi Chin. Could you please make up your mind? Okay, that was just a brief aside. Uh, Meechin gets the hot tag and brings the offense to damage control. Becky Lynch eventually gave her focus to fighting off Bailey, though, which allowed Dakota and EO to get the win when Becky wasn't looking. I don't know what it was about this match for me. I just had a tough time focusing on this match tonight for some reason. Am I just in a bad mood tonight? I don't know. If you listen to all these shows, usually it's like, I liked this, I liked that, here's what I liked about this, here's what I liked about that, and I I feel like a a big negative Nancy tonight. Maybe it's just me. It's me. No, I can't sing that song on a podcast. I'll probably get get charged a bunch of money. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I I had a tough time focusing on this match for some reason. I don't know, I don't know what it was. I think... I'm just someone who really wants more story and I and I not just a promo. I need more story and I I I I want a little more here. I don't know. I wanted more here rather than just like let's fight. I don't know. I I think it would have been more effective if we're if we're doing Becky and Bailey again or if that's going to be like one of the finals of the Royal Rumble. I'd like a little more I don't know. I, I, I think that they need they need to add a little more fire to this. And and I know she tried by by talking about or they tried by you know Becky talking about how uh Bailey has always been in the shadow of Sasha Banks. Um but yeah, I don't know. I just I had a tough time focusing on this match for some reason. So we'll move on. Uh Seth Rollins was interviewed about his US title match against Austin Theory later in the night. We'll get to that in a sec. Uh, and then after that, Byron Saxon attempted to interview 
Alexa Bliss and asked about what happened earlier in the night. Uh, talked about how she had lost control, and Alexa said she didn't lose control. She gained control over Bianca's headspace and that the Raw women's title belongs to her. Like I said earlier in the night, this is a good refresh for Alexa Bliss so far. It's making her seem like a tougher competitor. It's making her seem like she's got an evil streak again, and I am into it. After that, Dominic reflects on being arrested. He's in a white room while wearing white clothes. He's got a teardrop now. Says that he served hard time and survived. Prison changes a man. And you guys might think that it's over for me, but nah. I'm just getting started. I love that he had the teardrop tattoo. I love that he's acting hard now. Um, you know, <laughs> I think this was my favorite part of the show. One, because... Just if you watch The Office, anyone who's ever watched The Office, uh, when you when you heard Dominic talking about <laughs> when you hear Dominic talking about what prison was like, all you can think of is Prison Mike. Prison Mike talking about what prison was like and how the worst part of prison was the Dementors and that whole scene. One of the best office scenes of all time. I saw Twitter. It's one of those times where everybody made the same joke on Twitter and I laughed at every single one of them because the comparison was perfect. But beyond that, I also felt like this was good for Dominic's character. For so long, he comes across as, you know, Rey Mysterio's little boy. But now, if he's acting all prison tough with a teardrop and really trying to come across as more of a, of a man not just Rey Mysterio's little son not little Dominic from the SummerSlam match back in the day but Dom Mysterio who's a man that's ready to fight if they make him more feisty of a character almost like Butch was early on where he just attacks at will I think it's going to be great for his character he's already got tons of heat so if you make him a jail a, a former you know, ex, if you make him a guy who thinks he's tough because he's been in jail, I think that's going to be great for his character. So I really liked all this Dominic Mysterio stuff. I'm, I, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Next, there was a, a video package highlighting Bronson Reed, but there wasn't really too much to dig into with that one. So let's get to the main event, Seth Rollins versus Austin Theory for the United States title. Uh, this match didn't really feel like it got going until the final stretch of the show. Rollins then tried to hit a buckle bomb, but his knee kind of like gave out, tried it again after that, but the tweak threw him off. And this became the story for the closing minutes of the match. Rollins hit a superplex after that and tried to connect with the Falcon Arrow, but Theory reversed it for a near fall. Rollins attempted a stomp, but Theory moved out of the way and seemed to be leaving the arena trying to get himself counted out. Rollins hobbled after him through the crowd and brought Austin back to the ring, then hit a frog splash for a near fall. More damage to that knee than in the final moments. The ref got knocked down. Uh, Rollins' hurt knee kept holding him back. He hit a pedigree for a near fall, but, but he had trouble making it in time for a pin due to landing on his knee. Then tried to hit the stomp, but Theory reversed it and hit a low blow while the new ref wasn't looking. Theory hit the A-Town down after that and got the pinfall victory 
over Seth Rollins. Good match. Not sure it tops the match they had uh, not too long ago. That one was a bit more of a banger, but this was just as entertaining. Well, I'd say like a notch below that. A little bit less entertaining because it did take them a little bit to get into things. Now, I hope Rollins isn't actually hurt because he did look to be in pain initially when that tweak happened. You can hear him kind of um, yelp out. So hopefully everything's good there. You don't want to get an injury right before WrestleMania. You don't want to get an injury ever, but especially right before WrestleMania. We saw that just happen to AJ Styles. Don't want the same thing to happen to Seth Rollins. He is one of the most reliable performers on the grandest stage of them all. So hopefully everything's okay there. He continued to wrestle afterwards, but he was leaning into that knee injury. I'm not sure if he was just doing that because it, it worked with everything they were doing or if it was legit, uh, but hopefully everything is okay there. Uh, now that Theory has beat Rollins, I do wonder where they go from here with this story. Um, it is running out of steam a little bit. I mean, I guess... I guess they could do another one, um, but this is exactly my problem with there only being one big title on the show. This is why you need a world title. I think that there can be only so many people fighting for this U.S. title. There's only, um, there's just I don't know. I just it's it's run out of steam, and I think Seth needs to move to something else. But what would Seth move on to? There's no world title to move on to. There's not even a just like what's he gonna move on to, you know? I think that to me, I assume that the hurt business is coming back with Bobby Lashley very soon, and that they're gonna get involved in the United States title scene again. Um, maybe they'll just get get involved with Seth, and and they'll go from there, and that'll kind of like push Seth further down the babyface route, while Bobby Lashley goes harder into being a heel, but then. I do wonder what happens with Theory after that. Who's one of the top people that would feud with Theory? A lot of questions to come up uh, as we get closer and closer to the Royal Rumble, but not a lot of answers in this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Definitely more questions than answers coming out of this show. So with that being said, I think that that is the end of my Raw roundup. Yeah. I think that's all I have to say on this week's show. In the meantime, if you're listening to this, uh, leave a rating or a review for this podcast if you enjoyed it. You can hit the stars on Spotify. You can also leave a written review on Apple Podcasts if you listen that way. And I appreciate it very much when I see a new one. I do my best to read them on the podcast. So hook it up. Uh, I appreciate you doing that very much. It gets me on the radar of more people. I know me personally, like I'm one of those people. If I click a podcast, I'm like, who is this? I definitely look at the reviews. And if everyone's like, eh, this podcast sucks, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to check that out. But if all the reviews are like, this podcast is awesome, I definitely check that out. So hook it up if you enjoy the show. Appreciate that very much. And don't forget, make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday. Also, there's YouTube shorts, there's a community tab, there's clips from Raw and SmackDown, and so much more. So make sure you go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. And also, go follow WWE on Fox on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, we're on all of them. 
So make sure that you follow us there. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another WWE on Fox Raw Roundup.